You're listening to The Bookstorian Podcast, a podcast for book lovers and bookstagrammers. Hello and welcome to The Bookstorian Podcast. My name is Tegan and I am your host. On this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be talking to Adele from at pages.with.del. We're going to have a chat about her bookstagram inspiration, as well as Jasper Jones by Craig Sylvie, one of my all-time favourite Australian reads. And just a warning, there will definitely be spoilers. Hello, Adele. How are you? Good, Tegan. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm really looking forward to talking about an Aussie fiction with you on the podcast. Same. Thanks so much for having me. No, you are more than welcome. I saw that this was a book that you were currently reading and thought I would reach out to you to see if you would want to talk about it with me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just finished it this week, so it's nice and fresh in my mind. Excellent. You might have to remind me of a few things. It's been a little while since I've read it. (laughs) See how I go. (laughs) So to start the show, to get to know my guests a little bit better, I always ask an icebreaker question. And my icebreaker question today is, what book of yours is most loaned out to your friends? (laughs) This is a bit of a funny one for me. I don't know if it's a popular or an unpopular opinion, but I don't really like lending my books out to my friends. They always come back a little bit tattered or I don't get them for two years or, you know, I walk past somebody's uh, bookcase and I'm like, wait on, I'm pretty sure that's my book and I have to sneak it into my bag to take it home because I feel a little bit guilty about stealing my own book back. Um, so yeah, I'm not a much of a book lender. I must admit though, when I was a little bit younger, my John Green books did do the rounds of my friendship circle because I think every girl loves to read a bit of John Green. Um, but now I'm more of a book recommender. <laughs> so this lockdown in Melbourne, I've got quite a few of my friends into reading Red, White and Royal Blue. Uh, they've all loved it. And then my mum and my auntie, so my family, I've got to read The Nightingale, um, which they love. So that's my path of choice now rather than loaning them out. Fair enough. I have a A friend gifted me a few years ago a little embosser that has my name on it and it says library of and then my name. And I find that that really helps. And I have a little loan list that sits on my shelves. So if a friend comes over and says, oh, I really want to borrow a book. What have you got for me? I can pull out a few selections and then I very pointedly write it all down on the list as like, I know that you have this book. And make sure they watch you writing it. Yes. And I have had two instances probably in the last two years of friends who've moved. And when I've contacted them a few months later, just to be like, Hey, I I really would like to reread that book that you've got or someone else is waiting for it. And they haven't been able to find it. So they have gone and bought me a brand new copy of the book. That's all right. At least you got it back. Yes. (laughs) I think I'm very obvious to people about if you borrow my book, I do want it back. Yeah, I find that so awkward to just make that point. But I have been thinking about getting one of the little stamps. I think that's the way to go. And I have seen you can actually get little library packs as well. Oh. That have little... That have the little... Can, yeah, like the return slip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you stick it inside the cover. Yeah, so that <laughs> would... Give them a date any, to return it by. If anyone's listening and wants a Christmas present idea for me, that's something I'd really like. <laughs> So my book would be, and it's probably a most recent one that has been a really popular one that people have wanted to borrow, is The Tattooist of Auschwitz by Heather Morris. So, and I've also found it's a really wide range of people who want to borrow it. So I just lent it to my grandmother-in-law last week, but I've lent it to family and friends and colleagues, a lot of different people in my friendship circles or in my sort of social circles that really want to read it. 
So it it goes out all the time. I think that's and a then, popular one. Yeah, I think because it's spoken about so much in the media and still is. Um, I know Heather Morris has got a new collection of stories out at the moment. So perhaps there's a bit a bit more out there about the tattooist of Auschwitz as well, mm. that people I... have, have heard about it again and, and want to borrow it. So that would definitely be my top loan that leaves my shelves all the time. I've actually got that one sitting on my shelves on my TBR and it just keeps getting delayed. And I just it's been up the top for ages, but for some reason you just buy a new one and it gets bumped down. But I reckon I've got to read it. <laughs> And you definitely, I find I'm a real mood reader. So if I'm not in the mood for, for a story that's quite tragic, I find mm-hmm. that, yeah, that can happen. You'll buy another book and it might just be a rom-com or a historical fiction and that you kind of gravitate towards those books because they're not a true story and you're not quite yeah. ready to take it on. Definitely. And I reckon the last six months or so living in Melbourne, that has been the case for me, just trying to read something that's a little bit lighter. I read A Little Life last month and I mean, it's a brilliant book, but then I was in like, I was so depressed for the week afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot about that book, but it's definitely not something that I've gravitated towards lately. Yeah. Yeah. I read it as a buddy read, which I think really helped. Um, just think, you know, you have somebody else. Well, actually I read it with two, two other girls. Um, so that gave us a little bit of uh, companionship around what we were sort of going through with the book, I suppose. That's good. And something else that can really give you some companionship is of course, bookstagram. Yes. And could you describe your bookstagram feed? So your handle is at pages.with.dell. Yes, that is right. So my feed, I'm going to call it a work in progress. Um, It keeps changing a little bit. I I sort of, the last month or so, I've been quite happy with it. Um, But when I scroll down through some of my first posts, I'm like, ooh, not loving. Um, But I suppose for me, just describing my feed, it's pretty simple now. Um, I've sort of got a routine worked out. I I work out which rooms in my house get the best lighting. um, And I've sort of figured out a colour scheme that works for me. So I've kept it pretty simple. try to keep it a little bit bright, not too moody. Yeah, and it's a good mix of stacks and I like to do a bit of a flat lay or a book review. Yeah, so it's a bit of a mixture, but I try to keep it pretty positive and bright and happy, I suppose. I like that you really play with sunlight and the position of light as well in the places that you read. Yeah, I'm very lucky in the house that I live in. We have massive floor-to-ceiling windows in every room, so I get really good lighting, which is really cool. I find whenever I try to play with light, it has to be in the morning at my house. And you've got this really like few hour window where if you don't get in that certain room and set all your props up and get the light right and the Venetian blinds tilted in the right way, you miss it. And you've got to wait another whole 24 hours until you can get that shot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really lucky here. Most hours of the day, um, one of the rooms is filtered with light. So very bookstagram blessed I'll call it (laughs) and beside being blessed with lighting is there anything else that inspires the images that you take um you know I think that actually bookstagram inspires me a lot as silly as that sounds I love scrolling through and just seeing something that somebody's posted and you know I'll hit the save button and I'll end up with a nice big collection and then if I am struggling on a day to be like oh I feel like I've taken the same photo 10 times I just have a bit of a scroll through my saves and it seems to tick a few things over in my brain and I'll try something new. I'm not a very creative person myself, so I do have to borrow some people's creativity sometimes um, just to get me started. And then I end up with a hundred shots of the same book in my camera roll and go through and pick the, pick the best one, I suppose. 
I find it quite funny. Sometimes you might be showing someone a photo on your phone and it could be of, you know, your dog or maybe a photo you took when you were on holidays and all of a sudden you'll scroll through a picture of a book and the look sometimes on people's faces are like, why are you taking a photo of a book? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I was trying to um, post a, po- post a fi- picture of um, one of my, fr- my best friends for her birthday yesterday and I was scrolling through my newsfeed for ages trying to get past my hundreds of books, but that's okay. <laughs> Yes, you definitely have to do a cull every now and again. Yes. Uh, so you've spoken about getting inspiration from the Bookstagram community. Is there anything else that you really love about the Bookstagram community? Yeah, um, the community itself, uh, without narrowing it down too much, it's just, it's like a giant family. Like you go on Bookstagram and even if you've only just started up and you've got 10 followers, you've got 10 new friends that are there to talk to you. You could post about, you know, your, whether it's books or your real life, somebody is there to have a chat all the time. And it's just so positive and bright. And it's honestly a really good place at the moment, especially, as I said earlier, I'm in Melbourne and we're so isolated. We can't do much. It's hard to some days get out of bed and see the bright side of things, but go on Bookstagram and you'll have a couple of messages or some comments or somebody's story's hilarious. And all of a sudden you're a bit more brightened up. So I think that's the best part about Bookstagram for sure. And there is a lot of negativity about social media. And Mm. I find that Bookstagram is just the complete opposite and it manages to filter a lot of it out. I think I don't even go on my normal Instagram anymore because I don't want to see all the people complaining or whatever it may be like and bring your mood down. And there's not as much advertisement. I find that mm. a lot of pages I follow on my personal account just seem to be all about advertising. Whereas mm. the accounts on Bookstagram, like whilst a few people are reps or they might have paid partnerships with different publishers in essence, they're sharing the books that they still love above everything Exactly else. right. Yeah. Like it's so pure almost. Like if a publisher sends you a book for free, there's, you know, you haven't signed a contract behind the scenes to lie to all of your community and say this was brilliant when it wasn't. Like you still get an honest review. Um, and I think that's really good actually. Even if, yeah, even if it's an arc or whatever it may be, whether it's a paid deal, it's always honest. And I love that. Yeah, me too. And I definitely hope that's something that doesn't change. Well, one book that I saw in your Instagram feed recently is Jasper Jones by Craig Sylvie. It is one of my favourite Australian reads for so many reasons. It's incredibly iconic with the themes of race and the secrets that people keep within that small town setting Mm. and there's so many layers to the story. Our narrator is a very vulnerable yet lovable a teenager and I find through his eyes we learn so much about the world well one of the questions I'm going to ask you later is going to compare the book to To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee which is also one of my favorite books um some fun things about Jasper Jones uh, in case you've read it or in case you're interested to hear more so I'm also a drama teacher and a few years ago Queensland Theatre Company up here in Brisbane they actually adapted the book to turn into a play. So Kate Mulvaney was the, uh, was the screen, well, script writer and Sam Strong was the director. And it was definitely one of my favourite book adaptions that's become a, a play. So it was really mm-hmm. stunning. The directorial choices and the design choices throughout were incredible. So I highly recommend if you're listening and you enjoy theatre as well is give it a quick Google image search 
and you'll see some of the beautiful things that they did with the houses within Corrigan um, and some of the really interesting choices they made with some of the characters as well. And it, in 2017, it was also turned into a film which was directed by Rachel Perkins. It is very true to the story and the adaption itself really captures the atmosphere of the town of Corrigan beautifully. So there are, there are a few other things that kind of add to why I really love this book as much as I do. I'll definitely have to um, check out the movie this weekend, I think, now that I've finished the book. I don't like to watch a movie before I've read the book, so I'll add it to the weekend list. Yeah, add it to the list. Tony Collette plays Charlie's mother. Yep. And the other notable one is Hugo Weaving plays Mad Jack Lionel. Oh, cool. Yeah, Sorry, I'll add a, it on this weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's a, good, it's a good cast. It's very well done. Uh, but we are here primarily to talk about the book. And as I mentioned, our narrator, Charlie Butkin, is very lovable. What do you think it is about Charlie that makes him particularly lovable? My favourite thing about Charlie was definitely his loyalty. He was, you know, such a young, young boy faced with some really massive choices in his time, um, throughout this book which really isn't actually that long of a you know I don't actually know the timeline of the book but it would have only been a month or so even less um that you know from his introduction to the ending there and he grew up so much during that time his character development was massive it was almost like a coming of age story of a 13 year old which is so so young but you know in a town like this and with you know finding well, being locked into sort of a deal with the town bad boy with asterisks around bad boy, just because that's what the town dubbed him, even though he wasn't. Um, Charlie's loyalty was insane. You know, I couldn't think of many people that would stick by someone they barely know, um, you know, but they trust them and they want to help them out and not get Jasper into any trouble. Um, once he sort of understands I suppose that's another part of Charlie. He is so innocent. He didn't really, you know, he, he stumbles across, across this body and his first thought is, well, we need to go tell someone. And until Jasper says to him, you know, look at my skin colour and think of who I am and um, imagine what the town is is going to think of straight away. Everyone's going to think straight of me. And Charlie doesn't even think that. He's just so innocent. But, you know, it only takes that one conversation for him to realise and for his eyes to open and then he's loyal for the rest of the book, no matter what. But aside from Jasper, I think the loyalty to his best friend, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Lou and Jeffrey's family is insane. Um, I mean, there's one scene in the book where Jeffrey goes down to the cricket nets and wants to have a bit of a bowl with the cricket team. And most friends either would have not let Jeff Jeffrey do it at all or would have walked away because they don't want to see their best friend being humiliated like that. But Charlie stayed there the whole time and was waiting for Jeffrey when he was finished and walked home with him afterwards. And I thought that was pretty loyal and also pretty courageous from a 13 year old who's probably scared of those boys more than Jeffrey is by the sounds of it. So those were definitely uh, my favorite traits, the loyalty and just, I don't know if it's a trait, but the coming of age, you know, the learnings that Charlie had. Yeah, I had, I had similar ideas for Charlie. Definitely that support that he has for both Jasper and Jeffrey in a time when so many other people within that Australian setting would mm. turn their backs on those on on those characters there was um one scene where you know um where jeffrey's father gets attacked in his garden and charlie sees it through the window and he runs straight out he grabs his dad and they're straight across the street and i couldn't imagine many 13 year old boys being brave enough to do that and protect someone's family like that so yeah like against the angry mob 
And his, what you've also touched on his, his relationship with his father, he has Mm. a really unique relationship with his father and his father is a writer and has his own, um, his own sort of eccentricities and his mother doesn't really understand his father, but Charlie understands his father. And while he loves his mother, he has this complicated relationship with his mother because his mother doesn't quite accept who his father is. And just the really sweet teenage romance between him and Eliza. It's so complicated, but he still pursues it and, and sort of wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think that's really sweet to see in a teenage boy. Yeah, it was, um, that was definitely one of the soft, cute points of it. He was just, you know, sort of into her from the start and it, it just worked out perfectly. So <laughs> it was nice. I did mention before about To Kill a Mockingbird. And one of the ways that I would describe this book is it's an Australian version of To Kill a Mockingbird. Do you have, did you have a similar resonance when you read the book? Yeah, yeah, I definitely did. So I haven't read To Kill a Mockingbird since I was... I don't know if I would have been 18 or 19. It was sort of that year after I finished high school, I thought I would pick it up. And I remember it resonating with me at the time. Like it was probably one of the first books like that, that I'd ever read. And at that age, you know, I'm 26 now. So um, seven or eight years ago, we weren't having these sorts of public conversations about racism and what was going on. Like we are now, they they were around, but it's obviously very different now with social media and, um, you know, just, changing times I suppose and that story really stuck with me and this one did as well in that same sense but it brought it more to home um, because the characters were Australian the town was Australian it was you know a a half indigenous boy at the centre of it all and it was just a little bit real um, to put it straight I suppose you know I could see this happening in a town two hours from home and nobody batting an eyelid unfortunately it was very um, Australian and close to home. And I, I have written down a couple of notes here because there are some very key links, I think, between the two stories and the characters. So you have Scout in To Kill a Mockingbird and then you have Charlie, both sort of telling the story and both realising what's going on in their towns and the injustices. Um, they're sort of forced to grow up really quickly uh, and sort of take some things on their shoulders, even though they're only children, but they're the first ones to sort of start to understand the injustices in their town. Um, Then we have mad Jack Lionel. So, you know, he's the town outcast for whatever reason, um, which resonates really well with Boo Radley. There are a lot, you know, they're ostracised. The town don't really understand them. They're judged for who even knows what reason. Um, But yeah, and then, of course, you've got Jasper Jones and Tom Robinson, who are both at the centre of the stories. Jasper, luckily, because he has his wits about him, doesn't admit that he found the dead body and he doesn't end up in a Tom Robinson situation. Um, but there really are a lot of links, except Jasper Jones brings it to Australia. And I agree with what you've said in terms of this is like To Kill a Mockingbird, but it's set in our country. And it can certainly be something that there are so many parallels with and that we, I, I almost feel like it should be replaced. Like Jasper James, uh, Jasper James, Jasper Jones should be replacing To Kill a Mockingbird in an Australian curriculum or yeah. be taught alongside with it. Um, yeah, definitely. Look, I wonder, Jasper Jones, do people in schools read it? Is it? 
on the education list. So it is. um, And I think it's probably more pointed towards the senior grades. Um, So I know at some schools they do, they do look at it in year 11 or 12 um, and to kill a mockingbird is quite often looked at in year 10, which is also when I remember reading it at school. Yeah. The other character, the other character comparison that I have is Mayella Yule and Laura, Laura Wishart. Yes. So yes. they're both, um, they're both victims of their circumstances and um, in particular from their fathers. And that's also another, that there's a, a yeah, another comparison between those characters. And uh, so besides these characters, it is a very memorable Australian read. Why do you mm-hmm. think, um, this is a memorable Australian read. For me, I just, to start off, I love finding an Australian author, um, especially, you know, such a, such a good one, <laughs> that, like not to be rude to ones that aren't. Um, every, every Australian author is good, but to have a book that's so widely known and probably known, you know, in multiple countries, not just Australia, it's a story now that can resonate with any country in the world because in any country there is a minority that unfortunately is probably being judged too harshly or not understood or not even, you know, attempted to understood really. Um, That's what I love about this book. It puts Australia at the forefront of that. Um, I also just, I don't know why, something about Australian books that are in country towns. It just feels so Australian. I mean, I live in Melbourne in the middle of, you know, a pretty big suburb. So I don't resonate with the country at all, but I love picking up a book that is about the country. I just think that it's the Australian lifestyle and the functioning of a small Australian town is just, it's so intriguing in a way, um, how they sort of stick together, but maybe not in the right way. I think that's, that's very Australian to stick together. So I think that the country town really portrays us in that way. But the biggest thing about this book is the representation of Indigenous Australians in the country town, as well as we have the Asian family coming from, I forgot what country the loser from. Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. Um, So it's multicultural in an Australian town, which is 100% what Australia is. You know, we've all come from somewhere. We're all descendants of something. And then we've got the Indigenous Australians tied in there. And I think that we've represented the multiculturalism perfectly in this book. Maybe not in the way you would want it to be because they're not completely accepted. But just the fact that it's represented there, I think, makes it very Australian and it opens up our eyes uh, in a way that, you know, diversity is so important when it's not talked about we can't learn and this book teaches us so many things about acceptance and diversity yeah definitely it it teaches us about australia in the 1960s but there is also scarily a lot of uh, uh, there is scarily a lot of of racism and prejudice that still happens in our country i think you know when i was reading this book a lot of the time other than when the war was mentioned i probably forgot what timeline we were in I wouldn't be surprised to read that story in a newspaper these days, unfortunately. I think that we still have, you know, we've come a long way, but we still have a way to go in Australia. And I think that if everyone can pick up this book and it does just give them that little tiny, tiny bit more understanding or compassion, then I think that's what we all need. I had a quote that I really thought would be really good to go with that sort of. Beautiful. It's sort of, um, it's from Jasper and he says, I don't get how people can look up at the moon and still reckon that they're the centre of everything. So to me, 
like that's not the full quote, but that's all that matters to me um, because not everything is about you or your culture or your understanding. We really need to understand more and open our eyes up more. And I think that that quote was um, sort of the perfect summary of the book in a way. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Adele. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. You have been listening to the Bookstorian podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and follow me on Instagram at the Bookstorian podcast.